you may have noticed Major League Baseball abounded in transactions over this past week. Call-ups, options, and injury list moves. Behind all these numbers is a narrative. Welcome to In the Bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. And look who's coming up. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. Baseball is a game filled with numbers. It's one of the aspects of the game we love so much. Statistics are so valuable, so enjoyable. We use statistics to compare one generation of players to another, to compare Mike Trout to Willie Mays to Joe DiMaggio to Babe Ruth. We use numbers, we use statistics to argue over who ought to be in the major leagues or who ought to be sent down from the major leagues. Numbers play a factor into the roster size and the options available for a player to be sent from the major leagues to the minor leagues. We often use numbers and statistics, data, and analytics to determine or at least predict the success or failure of a player, a team, or an organization. We look into numbers. We search these facts to draw certain conclusions. And while all of this and much more is true, and while looking at numbers in the game is very enjoyable for us that are fans of the game, the game is not simply a series of facts and numbers. All these things come to life, true life, through story. The story of an individual and a team, of friends and a franchise. Even if you look, for instance, at MLB.com, that's where I go to look at box scores to find out what's going on or what happened the day before. They have a number of categories that you can click on as you go to MLB.com to check out, let's say, Sunday's games. They have a wrap, a box, a summary, videos, and game story. It's there. Each story is part, whether it's great or small, of a greater story. Each game story is a part of something bigger than itself. Not only bigger than that individual game, but bigger than the game itself. Because each story, each day, is a part of history. As C.S. Lewis wrote, history is a story written by the finger of God. And I don't know who it was that first said it, but it has been said often, history is his story. And we must not lose sight of the fact that this includes Major League Baseball history. The game story from yesterday, the history from 125 years ago, all of this is a part of history, a part of his story. And this is true even of this week in baseball. There are a lot of facts. There are a lot of numbers, but they're all part of a story. Here's a fact. Max Scherzer is going to be out six to eight weeks with an oblique injury. That's a fact. But behind that or coming from that is a story. He now, along with Jacob deGrom, is out of action until at least, probably at least, the All-Star break, if not beyond. At that time, maybe both of them come back healthy two of the best pitchers in baseball. Maybe both of them are not back. We don't know. And what does Steve Cohen do? 
he has shown that he is willing to do whatever is necessary to put the New York Mets in a position in which they compete and that they ultimately win a World Series. How is this story going to unfold? We don't know. Here's another fact. The Cincinnati Reds placed four members on the injury list just a couple of days ago. But there's a story behind that. The four players aren't injured. The Cincinnati Reds had to travel to Canada to play the Blue Jays. And these four players were put on the IL, not because of a pulled hamstring, not because of a sore shoulder, but because they haven't been vaccinated. That, true, is a story much bigger than the transaction page is going to declare. Here's another fact. On Sunday, Albert Pujols hit two home runs. That gives him 683 home runs for his career. Those are facts. Those are numbers. Those are statistics. But the story we're all waiting to see, to see it unfold, is will he reach 700? Will he hit 17 more home runs this season, his final season in Major League Baseball? And if he does, the fact is he will join Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, and Babe Ruth as the only players ever to hit 700 home runs in their career. Those, again, are facts, statistics, numbers. But behind all of those men is a story. And it's a story if Albert Pujols joins those men. There's a story behind the fact that uh, Alex Rodriguez fell just a few home runs short of reaching those 700 home runs. Here's a fact. The St. Louis Cardinals called up two players last week. Both of these players being called up for the first time in their careers. Called up to make their Major League debut. But there is a remarkable story behind this call-up and these two players. Much of it is given to us by the broadcasters for the St. Louis Cardinals. Boy, are there some excited people in the ballpark right now. I'm looking down to my right, several Cardinal fans and uh, several people whose last name is Gorman and uh, several people whose last name is Libertor. He was actually at the ballpark today. He'll be starting the second game of the series tomorrow. Two guys that grew up near each other, played baseball together. Their dads coached each one of these two guys. Here's a strike to the left-handed batting, Nolan Gorman. And here they are in the big leagues for the first time together here in Pittsburgh. This is a big deal for folks in Phoenix, Arizona. Gorman, the left-handed hitter, stands deep in the box. The pitch by Thompson. A swing and a miss. 0-2. Gorman, a 2018 first-round draft pick by the Cardinals. 22 years old. 34 games at AAA. A 308 with four doubles. 15 home runs. And 23 RBIs. The pitch to him. In the dirt. 1-2. and two. And he has looked steady in the field. Making two plays. He was in on all three outs in the top of the first. Starting a double play and then making the throw after a ground ball for the last out. Long out to the wall in left field for Juan Yepes. Nobody on, one out. The pitch to Gorman. He swings and hits it hard right center. His first major league hit in his first at bat. Nolan Gorman, welcome to the St. Louis Cardinals. So you heard, heard much of the story there. Nolan Gorman, in his first Major League at-bat, gets a hit. But the story is about both him and Matthew Liberator. Both have been friends and played together since they were something like four or five years old. Both were first-round picks. Both were very highly rated prospects. And both were called up to St. Louis on the same day. Truly a remarkable story. 
Now, Libertor made his debut on Saturday as a pitcher, and his numbers in that first game weren't great, but again, it's only the beginning of his story and the story of these two men with the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, if you're like me, you do pay attention to the transactions, and there are transactions going on daily, sometimes dozens a day in Major League Baseball. You have players that are getting sent down, players being released, being traded, players being called up. And rarely do we get a glimpse into the story behind a player being called up to the major leagues for the first time. But I'm very thankful. I don't know who decided to do it, but somebody with the AAA team in Norfolk with the Baltimore Orioles did us a favor, and they recorded for us on video Adley Rutschman's call-up to the major leagues. Give a listen. Um, yeah, I was just going to tell you, um, dude, you've had a lot of yeah. A lot of hype. Today, I think, was a lot about managing your workload. You've got three games in a row. Like, I don't want you to feel like, oh, why didn't I play? I know you had that question. Um, but they're trying to be as careful as they can with you. Um, I will say, like, the way you've handled all this has been super impressive. I'm not shocked because the first day I saw you in 2020, like, there was something different. But the way you've handled it and carried yourself, I just want to make sure that you know that you don't have to do more than you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Like what you're doing is playing. Like, don't go out there and do anything more than you have to. We're not looking for a hero. Be Adley Rutschman. Because the regular Adley Rutschman is playing. Right? You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Especially when you're going to Camden Yards and you're going to play in the big leagues for the first time. One of the highlights of any player's career that gets a chance to play Major League Baseball is the very first time that they've been called up to the big leagues, when they get that announcement. And not far behind that is being there when you are able to witness another person getting his first ever call up. And that was great that it was recorded for us. You couldn't see the video, but you didn't miss much other than the fact that Rutschman came in to the manager's office as the players were walking out. He was about ready to leave when he was asked to sit down, and he looked pretty chapped. And I think it was because he didn't play that night. And then how the AAA manager for the Orioles plays it out and then makes the announcement. And then what you didn't see as well is all of his teammates coming in and you heard their congratulations. That was just, I'm so glad it's making its rounds on social media, and I'm glad that it is because... That is something that happens on a regular basis, and it is a really great thing, and I'm glad people have been able to see, or in this case for you all, hear uh, what happened there. Now, Rutschman is a huge prospect. As a matter of fact, again, one of the most anticipated call-ups in Major League Baseball history. And he came up, and in his first game, he walked before he ended up hitting a triple. So his first big league hit was a triple. And we don't know how his story is going to play out. He is a, a very highly regarded switch hitting catcher. He is maybe the hope of an Orioles franchise who have been brutal now for years of turning things around. But remember last year, two highly touted prospects, major anticipation to their big league call-up, got called up for the first time. One, Wander Franco, has had success. Another, Jared Kelnick, has not and has recently been sent back down to AAA again because of his struggles at the major league level. 
Now, it doesn't mean Franco is on his way to a Hall of Fame career. It doesn't mean Kelnick's career is over. We don't know, just like we don't know about Adley Rutschman. That's the greatness of this, the story that we get to watch unfold before our eyes. Here's another fact. The Boston Red Sox as a team and Trevor Story as a player on that team, a new player on that team, have had a miserable start to 2022. Miserable. But that story has become more interesting if you're a Red Sox fan. That story has taken some turns just over the past few days. 1-2 pitch. Go. Has a shot. High toward the wall. And that ball is gone. It's a grand slam. Hey, have yourself a month, Trevor Story. Oh, my goodness. Wow. A grand slam. His fourth home run in two days. And 11 runs batted in. That happened on Friday. It was kind of the encore to his Thursday performance, which you caught a bit of in that broadcast. On Thursday, Trevor Story went four for four with three home runs, five runs scored, seven RBI, and just for fun, a stolen base. And he followed that up on Friday with that home run. Decided not to hit a home run on Saturday, but hit another one on Sunday. He has seven home runs now on the season, five in the past four days. The Red Sox have won five straight and eight of their last 10 games. Trevor Story was being booed at Fenway Park. Now in the last four or five days, he's become a hero. The Red Sox, people were in a panic. Eh, Maybe they won't come back. They have a huge deficit to overcome, but they're now playing good baseball. These are stories that are developing, stories unfolding before our eyes, stories we get the privilege and the joy of following. But other stories in Major League Baseball have been completed. That is, the people are done playing. The numbers are what they are. And one of the stories is about a man, Ferguson Jenkins, who is already in the Hall of Fame. His numbers are complete. He's done. He's not going to play again. But part of his story, post-playing career, continues to unfold as this past weekend there was an unveiling of a statue of Fergie Jenkins at Wrigley Field. And here's what he had to say. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, everybody in Chicago. Great fans. Appreciate that. Thank you. When I was a club kid growing up in Chatham, Ontario, throwing rocks at passenger trains, never did I imagine being a 20-game winner. All right? Being an all-star, winning a Cy Young, and being a member of the 3,000 Strikeout Club, or even being in the Hall of Fame. But now this statue is sitting beside my fellow teammates, Ernie, Billy, and Ronnie. Believe me, I'm humble. So Fergie talking about the fact that he had no idea what was in store for him. His story as he was a child growing up in Canada. And that story included him playing Major League Baseball for 19 years, accumulating 284 wins, pitching 4,500 and two-thirds innings, striking out 3,192 batters. And as I said, and you heard him say, being inducted into the Hall of Fame. All of those numbers are impressive. All of those facts that are a part of his story are impressive, but there's one that's very impressive to me. And it didn't go unnoticed by another man that's likely on his way to the Hall of Fame, CeCe Sabathia, who is at this ceremony. When I, when I see Fergie's, you know, stats, I'm like, should I even be in this group? You know what I mean? Like, man's got more complete games than I got wins in my career, so. Did you hear that? 
Sabathia said, the man has more complete games than I have wins in my career. Well, how many wins did Sabathia have in his career? 251. How many complete games did Fergie Jenkins have? 267. 267 complete games. That is absolutely remarkable. And Sabathia was impressed by Fergie's numbers because he understood the story. He lived the story as a starting pitcher. He may join Fergie Jenkins in the Hall of Fame in time, but it blows C.C. Sabathia's mind to consider 267 complete games when Sabathia only won 251 games. Now, both of these men have finished their careers, but their stories continue. But for all of us, every single one of us, our story as it regards our life on this earth will come to an end. And on Friday, a legend in the world of baseball died. So his story on this earth has come to an end. But the stories he penned will continue to be enjoyed for generations. Some sad news to report this evening here on MLB Tonight. Roger Angel, longtime writer and editor for The New Yorker, has passed away at the age of 101. Angel had one of the most prestigious careers in journalism industry, writing and editing for more than 70 years. In 2014, he was honored with what is now called the BBWAA Career Excellence Award, which honors writers for meritorious contributions for baseball writing. This from Major League Baseball tonight. We remember a legend of baseball writing, Roger Angel, who passed away at 101. Roger exemplified the special bond between baseball writers and fans, and he leaves a lasting legacy in our national pastime. We send our deepest condolences to his loved ones and his readers. Uh, For those who are uh, a little younger, and by the way, Jason Stark also won uh, that award for meritorious contribution for baseball writing, uh, known as the Spink Award at the time. And uh, I can only imagine, Jason, like what an influence he was on you. This man was a beautiful writer. As a teenager, I'm reading, I'm looking for good baseball books, and I couldn't believe what I found when I was reading the five seasons, and then finding the summer game, which had been written prior, and then late innings came out in 1982. Just opened up a whole world inside baseball like very few people could ever write or describe. So you hear there, Roger Angel died on Friday, May the 20th, as Brian Kenny said, at 101 years old. And as you listen to Brian Kenny talk, and remember, Brian Kenny is a big numbers guy. He's a big sabermetrics guy. He loves that stuff. And yet when you listen to him speak and he talks about being a teenager and being drawn into the game. He is drawn into it. He's impressed by it. He falls in love or increases his love for it because of the writing, the narrative, the story that Roger Angel wrote in his variety of books about baseball. In the last, I don't know, maybe two weeks or so, I was listening to the Athletic Podcast, and they have a number of different podcasts, so I'm not sure who the people were on this one. But they were all people that are big into numbers, that love to crunch the numbers, that love sabermetrics, that love data and analytics. But even in this podcast, they were talking about the fact that they don't want raw numbers for raw numbers' sake. And I believe they brought up simply something like Giancarlo Stanton, that they don't care that he just hit a home run with an exit velocity of 114.9 miles an hour and a launch angle of 26 degrees. That by itself is not what they want in a broadcast. They want to know how that fits into a bigger story. 
And that is true, all of us, as much as we love numbers, as much as we love stats, data, and analytics, we want them to have a part of something bigger than themselves, a part of a story. Now, Brian Kenny referenced Jason Stark, who was on the set with him. Ruben Amaro Jr. was also on the set. And as that piece or that segment continued, they referred to Roger Angel as a baseball poet, thinker, and teacher. They said he was a wordsmith. And they said also this, there was a quote-unquote spiritual quality to his writing. I'm not sure how much you know about Roger Angel. Again, if you're younger, maybe not much. Even if you're older, you may not know this. Roger Angel was the stepson of E.B. White. E.B. White, the famous author, among other things, of Charlotte's Web. And Roger Angel wrote the foreword back in 2000 to the reprint of a book by E.B. White and William Strunk Jr., known as The Elements of Style, a book that has been used for decades for people that write, for people that want to tell a story, people that want to weave the facts and numbers into a narrative. At the end of that foreword by Roger Angel, he writes these words, But we are all writers and readers as well as communicators. And that is spot on. Granted, we vary tremendously in our ability or even our interest to do these things, but it is true that we are all writers, readers, and communicators. That's a fact. And it is so because of another fact, that we are all made in the image of God. We long for story because we recognize, whether we acknowledge it or not, we recognize that these series of facts and events that we live through, that we read about, are a part of something much, much bigger. Bigger than ourselves and our time. Bigger than our nation and our national pastime. We're a part of God's story. A story written perfectly and unchangeably by Him before the foundation of the world. But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Thank you for listening.